This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield. And I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, but not physically in front of me right hmm. now, is Billboard's deputy editor, Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Hey, Keith. I'm mysteriously away right now. <laughs> in, in what in what clandestine location are you at? In uh, my own home, because I have a very sick baby on my hands, so not very ooh-la-la. But, oh. uh, you know, we got to make this podcast happen. Yes, we, we do. We do. Uh, we're going to make it happen. Uh, come, come hell or sick baby cow. <laughs> um, well, today on the show, uh, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop. I almost screwed up the script right there on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show... We are recapping our experience at the 2018 Billboard Music Awards and sharing moments that you maybe didn't see in our coverage of the event. Plus, we've got chart news about BTS, Backstreet Boys, Taylor Swift, and Post Malone. In addition, we've got an interview with rising star Lauv. The pop singer and songwriter is making a splash on our charts with his hit single, I Like Me Better. And we talked to him all about the success of the track and much more, so stay tuned for that in just a little bit. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. So without further ado, let's talk a little bit about the Billboard Music Awards. Um, you know, you already know the winners and who performed, but Keith and I were at the big show this past Sunday covering the whole thing for Billboard. Yeah, and we were both on the red carpet and backstage, of course, mingling with performers and uh, presenters and winners and, you know, extras, hangers on. I don't know. (laughs) And we want to share a little bit of that with you. So we've got some exclusive moments from Keith's red carpet interviews that you have to hear. Um, Even if you've watched or listened to all the clips that Billboard has posted from the show, this is all new stuff, little tidbits from Keith's experience. Yeah, so the first one we have is a moment with Dua Lipa. Uh, She... Uh, came up to the podium, and uh, before we actually started the proper interview, I told her that you know she was a guest on the Pop Shop a year ago, and she remembered. And I also pointed out that Katie was on the podium as well, behind the cameras, and she recognized Katie and said hello, and it was a nice little moment, and you'll hear that in just a second. And of course, we also asked a little bit about um, just how her year has been, you know, an amazing uh, year for her. And you may have heard that already online, but um, 
I just want to include that as well. So that's the way these clips are going to work. You're going to hear a little bit of something you haven't maybe seen before or heard before, and then something that you may have already heard and seen before. So uh, here's a moment with uh, Dua Lipa. We've actually talked before. You came into our office and did a podcast like a year ago. I know. That was such a long time ago. So much has changed. I did really enjoy that podcast. So did I. That was fun. You're a very easy person to talk to, so I'm happy to see you again. I hope we actually got all that. Did we get all that? Oh, thank God. Oh, yeah. See, unscripted. Oh, and Katie was there, too. Hey. Hey. Nice to see you again. Oh. Well, speaking of that, it was like about a year ago when we had you on the Pop Shop podcast, and what a year it has been. You've had five hits on our Pop Songs chart, a number one with new rules. It's been a whirlwind year. What has it been like for you this past 12 months? It's been really surreal. Um, I'm I'm so grateful for the response, and it's totally changed my life, and I get to tour the world, and I get to experience different crowds, and honestly, I'm, I'm so, so happy. What has been like the sort of the highlight of the past year? I mean, everything is a highlight at this point because you're new, but still. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things to look forward to. You know, I definitely think putting out my album was a really big step for me. Performing at the Brits was really big, kind of home turf. Um, And doing this tonight is pretty, pretty crazy for me. I mean, we're not. I mean, I know I'm partial, but yeah, it's a pretty big show. We're pre- we're kind of a big deal. No, you definitely are a big deal. It's a very big deal, and it's yeah, it's my first kind of big American awards show performance. So I am really excited. Um, you just released your new single, One Kiss, mm. with Calvin Harris. Yes. What did you? What's like a one thing that you learned from working with him together on that track? He is, you know, he he pays so much attention to detail, and I pay so much attention to storyline. And I think, you know, putting the two together to kind of create a really, I don't know, what, what he does, he just, he has fun with everything he does. And nothing really sounds like something that you've heard before. And I think with him and what you see from all his, you know, previous songs is that everything's constantly evolving and that you should never be afraid to change. Um, so she could not be any cuter and cooler and uh yeah, yeah. I, I give she, keith full credit for inviting her on the podcast long before the new rules uh release <laughs> not even the madness of it but before the release of it even so we we knew her back when <laughs> um there was also a moment that we had with uh kelly clarkson the host of our show um and it was uh really fun in fact um what happened was uh normani had just finished up an interview with chelsea briggs who was my uh, co-host um, on our on the red carpet for Billboard, and of course you know Chelsea from Billboard News. Chelsea had just finished up with Normani, and Normani, Normani was uh, stepping down from our platform just as Kelly was walking up. And I had then got the mic from Chelsea, and was I thought I was going to start the interview with Kelly, but Kelly paused and started talking to Normani about her dress rehearsal, Normani's dress rehearsal of Love Lies with Khalid, and Kelly was gushing all about it. Um, so you're going to hear uh, that exchange, plus something about tongue pops. Um, it'll make sense when you listen to it. So uh, take a listen to our clip with Kelly Clarkson. Y'all, you've got to see her performance. You and Colleen, I was like, I came out of my dressing room like my thing backstage going, wait, oh, what? <laughs> it was so good. Thank you. It's, I mean, woo. I'm nervous, but yeah, I'm excited. Don't be. Oh, my God, you sound beautiful. You look amazing. It's great. It's great. You and Colleen, woo. I was like, everybody. Spoken for the legend I'm so herself. glad I don't have to perform after you. <laughs> I love you. How you doing? Hi. Oh, grr. what's up? Oh, grr. hey Kelly, hey. we're going right. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, yeah. Of hi. Okay, hi. Hi. She's amazing. Her performance is amazing with Khalid. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it in dress rehearsal and I was like, oh, is that what, 
that what we're supposed to look like? <laughs> like Kelly Clarkson, come on. No, it's great. It is. It's, there's a lot of um, amazing female artists tonight performing. Yes. Yeah, it's it kind of crazy. Led by you, our host of the show. Thank no, you. No pressure. Your hair looks a little different. It looks a little bit shorter. It is. Mine is actually all braided underneath, except the very top is mine. Really? This is all weave. All Hollywood magic. Yep. I might have a different length at the beginning of the show. Ooh, there's a a hair reveal. Yes. Yes. I heard there's something special you have cooked up for the top of the show, but I can't say what it is. There is. I know. It's a surprise. Well, we were trying to navigate how I would do a monologue. Yeah. Because I'm not a comedian, and I can't sit there and roast artists. Yeah, you are. No, I mean, no, I know, but even things you want to say, you can't say, because I'll just look like a turd. So. (laughs) You know, also in that clip uh, that you just heard, Keith has a little bit about Kelly's opening surprise medley performance of some familiar hits. And another performer on the show, Jennifer Lopez, joined J-Lo. us on the carpet after that. And Keith not only got to tell her about how he saw her residency show in Vegas, which of course I also saw a few years ago now, which is insane, um, on its opening night um, and, and recapped it for Billboard.com. But uh, Keith also got to ask her about Janet Jackson. So just it's all just delicious. Uh, take a listen right now. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Keith, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. I saw your show the other night. Did you? I did. I was right next to the O. Oh, yeah, that's got, a good spot. I've got super close-up pictures. Oh, my goodness. That could be good. That could be bad. It's everything. <laughs> it's everything. It's everything. But tonight on the show, you're performing your new single, De Niro. I am. I am. Oh, my God. Okay, so I want to know first, why did you want to hook up with Cardi B on the track? You know, when I heard the track, I knew right away. They were like, would you want anybody on it? And right away, I was like, how about Cardi? And at that time, her, her Bodak Yale had just come out. But I just, I don't know. She's from the Bronx. She's Dominican. I just I felt like it was the right vibe. Yeah, it makes sense. And I don't know. I just felt like she would kill it, and she did. And this is the like the first proper performance of the song tonight. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I'm super excited about it. Obviously, Cardi's not here. She's very pregnant she's, right she's, now she's, she's, she's yeah. resting as she should be you know how that is yes you know. i do yeah. and uh but cal is here to perform it with me so i'm excited about that too um you know i want to ask tonight we are honoring someone that you've worked with before yes. janet jackson yes. as our icon right. i just want to know is there any story you can share about working with her on that's the way love goes on the video because it was just so cute just I mean, what it was like working with Janet back I in the mean, day. I loved it. She was always one of my idols. Uh, I, I probably started dancing because of her video, Pleasure Principle. It was one of my favorite videos ever. Uh, still is. And um, I'm just excited for her. She deserves everything she gets. She was. She is such a musical icon from an iconic musical family. And I don't know. She deserves everything she's getting. Well, it's from one Billboard icon honoree, J-Lo, yes, to another, Janet Jackson. Have a lovely time tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take thank care. You. Watch your step. It was such a thrill to talk to J-Lo and especially to actually engage with her, um, not only sort of, you know, say, like, how great the show was, but also have a moment to ask about Janet Jackson, which is something that Katie and I had talked about in previous episodes of The Pop Shop, where we were hoping that there would maybe be some sort of Janet, J-Lo collusion happening. <laughs> um and though I didn't get it in quite the way that I wanted it to happen, where I was like hoping that maybe there'd be J-Lo and Janet interaction on the show, I was still happy to ask, uh, ask J-Lo about that moment of her past. And of course, you know, J-Lo is a icon honoree as well uh, from the Billboard Music Awards a few years ago. So it was great to also have her have that exchange about this year's icon honoree. Yes. Um, and obviously well, Janet killed it. We both agree. Yes. Janet had probably, you know, I, I would imagine... If it wasn't the best performance or the most striking performance, it was definitely one of the uh, best and biggest performances of the night, I would say. Without I would question. I agree. Yeah. 
Um, well, uh, it was an exciting event had by all. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't seen all of our coverage of uh, the 2018 Billboard Music Awards, of course, you can visit Billboard.com for all the uh, all the intel. Katie, is there like a shortcut URL that people go to to see all of our coverage? You know, there is. Um, um, you know, we have a little link at the bottom of all the BBMA stories that links to oh, cool. all the coverage. Um, so, so just find you- it. Yeah, if, if you just go to like the winners list, even just find the banner that says BBMA on it, and you can find all of our coverage. Yeah, we got you covered. <laughs> um, well, uh, let's hit some of the biggest chart news this week. Uh, first up, one of uh, this year's uh, winners and performers on the Billboard Music Awards, BTS, is heading for a big debut on the Billboard 200 chart next week, as industry forecasters suggest that the group's new album, Love Yourself Tear, could bow at number two and even has a chance at number one. The set could earn over 100,000 equivalent album units in the week ending May 24th and may bump Post Malone's beer bongs and Bentleys from the top slot after three straight weeks. Oh, Post Will... Malone. I got to see him this past weekend. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> um, how? how uh, well, yes. Katie saw Post Malone at a nightclub at like two in the morning on Sunday That's night right. slash Monday morning. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was the Billboard Music Awards after party. And not only... Had he been at the BBMAs to accept his uh, top rap song prize with uh, 21 Savage, uh, he also then played EDC in Las Vegas and then came to the club after that. So that was Post Malone's night. You know, it's just, I don't know how these rock stars and pop stars and rap stars do it. Seriously. Um, it's a lot of money. Yes, I guess that's that can how be motivation. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, as I was saying, um, will BTS bout number one? Well, Tune in to Billboard.com on Sunday, May 27th, when we are scheduled to reveal next week's number one album. Um, and in some singles action news, Taylor Swift, another BBMA winner, extends her record as the woman with the most top 40 entries on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart as Delicate rises 46 to 36. She now has a whopping 56 top 40 hits, believe it or not. Whoa. Dang, Taylor. She's... <laughs> She's just building up that resume so she can take home more Billboard Music Awards a year from now, basically. I I have no doubt. I hope she comes every year, honestly, so that's fine by me. Um, Come back, Taylor. (laughs) And in other pop single news, a track that Keith and I both think is, like, truly awesome, Backstreet Boys' Don't Go Breaking My Heart debuts at number 30 on the Adult Pop Songs Airplay chart. It's the group's 15th hit on the list and their first on the tally since 2013, and I can't tell you enough, go listen to this song. It is really great. I think this is one of the, I mean, Katie and I agree on lots of things, <laughs> but we definitely both really, really like this song. This is like such a solid track, such a such a pop dance banger. They sound great. The video is great. It's just nothing but wall-to-wall dancing. It's, and it's um, such a modern look for like a classic act, too. Like it just absolutely. deserves to be on the radio for sure. Um, and in more good news, it could debut on the Pop Songs Airplay chart next week, as it seems like Top 40 stations have started to embrace the track. So hopefully we'll see uh, BSB back on the P.O.P. Songs chart next week. <laughs> I see hey what yo. you did there. Uh, speaking of the P.O.P. Songs chart, or the Pop Songs chart, let's get to our interview with an artist that's rising up the list with their first hit on the tally, Lauv. The pop singer and songwriter recently came into the office to chat about his hit, I Like Me Better, which has already reached the top 15 of the chart 
in a slow and steady climb up the list since its debut back in November. In fact, the song celebrated its one-year anniversary of its release just this past week. Uh, We, of course, talk about how it's been uh, surreal, as he says, for him to see the song take off, but we also chat about how he got to where he's at today, from his early days of self-booking tours and playing shows for basically nobody and begging friends to buy tickets, to getting a degree in music technology at New York University and so much more. So, take a listen to our really fun chat with Lauv. I like me better when I'm with you I knew from the first time I stayed for a long time Well, welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Lauv. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming in. Um, you have had a lot of success in the past year with... I like me better, and actually, the song came out. I have this. I have notes. It came out on May nineteenth, two thousand seventeen. So it's been almost like a full year. It's crazy, which is sort of ridiculous. Yeah. And the song has hit the Billboard Hot one hundred. It's in the top twenty on our Pop Songs Airplay chart. But it, this song has like had this incredible journey for the past year. Yeah, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but what has it been like? For yeah, you over the no, past year? it's yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely been a lot of things. Um, I think the journey's been especially interesting because. Um, you know, I'm doing this with an independent team. So especially like the whole like radio part of it is really interesting to see that like, you know, the song's been out for almost a full year, like you said, yeah. and it's like, you know, still climbing, yeah, climbing. Yeah. It's, it's very surreal for me to kind of watch all this happen. Um, especially because, you know, it was probably the fastest song that I've written. So it's weird to like, isn't that just, the it way was, it works? It's like crazy. the fastest ones turn into like, oh, this is the easiest thing I wrote in like 20 <laughs> minutes and then it becomes this huge hit. No, it's, it's insane. And it's really like. Yeah, I mean, I just think back to, you know, before I put the song out and I kind of like and contrast that with where I'm at now and everything that's happened in terms of like all the touring I've done and and uh, and traveling. And yeah, it's been it's been really, really crazy. Yeah. Um, we actually interviewed someone else who had a very long journey with one song with Max with uh, Lights oh, Down like, Low. Yeah, yeah, it's a friend of mine. And like, I saw a picture of the two of you together at some point yeah. on your Twitter feed. Again, in research for your interview, <laughs> I was like, sc- you know, trolling or scrolling. Scrolling? Uh, uh, hopefully there's, uh, yeah, I've probably said some no. yeah, interesting things. You didn't. I mean, okay. you did. You said many <laughs> All interesting things. All nothing, extremely boring. Nothing controversial. But you had a picture of Max, uh, the two of you together, and he had, like, he's sort of doing it kind of in an indie-ish sort of way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's on like, you know, Pete Wentz's label, you know, which has, you know, a sort of a large team, but still it's kind of like the slow and steady rise with the yeah. song over a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, each time you perform the song, more people get to hear it for the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. But do you ever think like, whoo, I've now performed this song 180 times. It's weird. Yeah. Like I, you know, like I, I would worry about that, you know? Um, but, every single time I play it, like I find I'm, I'm able pretty much every single time I'm able to get totally in the moment and it doesn't really feel like it's always fun. That honestly. is the right answer. Yeah. Like for real, like, cause I know that happens to a ton of artists where you like start to resent the song that like, you know, does something for you. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It's just like, I've literally, like, especially when I'm playing these shows and when like everybody's singing the words, like growing up, like I, you know, I played in different bands and, and did a lot of like self book touring and traveling around and my sister was driving us on tour and we're playing for nobody and, and like literally begging my friends I went to high school with like to, to buy tickets to our shows. Like I've been just saying, I've been like dreaming about for so long and to like finally be there on stage. Like I feel like I, I would be an asshole if I can't appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. What was the first sort of professional like gig that you played? 
like professional. Well, I mean, it depends on how you count it. It's like, yeah, you know, when I was eleven, I was in the choir, and like, well, no, I'm thinking more <laughs> like when you played that coffee house for the I first guess, time. Well, okay, something that comes to mind is one of my old projects. We played at Warp Tour once. Which was like I'm a like dream, a, like, you know, warp tour. I'm like, yeah. I mean, we did a bunch of other, we did a bunch of other like random small shows, but like we won this contest and we played the Camden, New Jersey date of warp tour. That's pretty cool. And like, yeah, like you know, I was probably 15 or 16 or something like that, and it was just like I was so nervous for that day, so crazy because it's just like you know, I, I grew up listening to a lot of like kind of like pop punk and 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 even like hardcore and stuff and. Yeah, so like bands that I looked up to were playing that. What was the name of the band that you were in at the time when you were playing that? Um, it was called Somersault Sunday. Somersault? As yeah, it's like super MySpace. Super MySpace. Yeah. Well, you know, it has a great alliteration to it. Yeah. How long did Somersault <laughs> Sunday last? Oh, my God. Like two um, Sundays? Three Sundays? Yeah, it was. that was a... I'm trying to think. That was, a, yeah, a couple years. It was like middle wow. school into, into high school kind of thing. That is kind of crazy. MySpace though, era. Where you're, you know, MySpace era. Yeah. I like the way you're like identifying eras by like mm-hmm. the social media network that you're using. But that was, it was huge. At least for me. I don't know. It was like, like it was this whole thing where like all, you know, like all these different like kind of like, I don't know, independent artists were, were just marketing themselves totally through MySpace, like friend bots. And like you would right. message everybody that like accepted a friend request and, and like tell them about your music and like. I was like selling my songs on iTunes, you know, independently and, and all that and as, as a kid. And yeah, it was, it was fun. It's crazy. Um, well, I didn't mean to get into a long story about Somersault Sunday, but thank you for <laughs> indulging me. Um, uh, you wrote um, I Like Me Better when you were studying at NYU. Mm-hmm. Um, did you actually finish NYU? Mm-hmm. You did? Yeah. So your degree is in music technology. Is that right? Yeah. If that even counts as a degree. <laughs> what? I like the way you immediately diminish what your degree is in. Wait, why I don't know. Well, it just feels it just feels funny, kind of, you know, because it's like I, I I had a lot of friends in college who who like could not get out of the library because they you know they just had so much work constantly twenty four seven, and like you know I feel like a lot of my work was project based or kind of what I was already doing. So it feels a little like funny. Oh, you mean it was like stuff that you were already like intimately involved with, like music stuff. Yeah, so it's, like, it's yeah, not it the same. Like I knew what I was doing. It, well, it's just like you know, like if, if your projects were like making entirely like taking so taking a film getting taking all the audio out and then replacing everything like like it's like that's like not the same thing as having to be in the library and like study for like i don't know like some pre-med or something like that you yeah know? well it, it all depends on how you look at it yeah i mean i sure. have a degree in journalism and you know i was i can't operate on a on a person you know i can't like you know cut out their appendix or something so, so it really depends on like how you learn you, important i don't know important like I don't know what you would learn exactly, but I'm sure like important writing rules and all sorts of stuff. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I think anyone could like sort of say, oh, well, you know, I'm like, no, but it, that yeah. was your passion. And that, that's what yeah. you wanted to do. And yeah. in case the recorder and microphones that were using breaks, you could probably fix these things. We'll, we'll go with that. Yes. Yeah, you're like, sure, I could. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and uh, I, I read that you play piano and guitar mm-hmm. and something else. Uh, I used to play viola as a kid. And can you still play piano and guitar? Oh, you can play oh, guitar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Guitar is probably my main instrument. Um, piano, yeah. I, I'm not great at piano, but I play enough just to like produce my own stuff. And yeah. And um, do you write mostly to guitar or piano or? It's whatever? funny. Yeah, it's 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 funny because like I would say that I feel much more comfortable playing guitar, but I like writing on piano usually. Hmm. I think it, maybe it's because I'm less familiar with it. Like I, I play simpler things and I can kind of not focus on like, what am I playing? You know? Right. Cause it's like when I was, I grew up and, and like learned a lot of jazz guitar 
and and actually at the time like I think I didn't really fully appreciate it but now it's like it's really cool but sometimes you know if you if you're just trying to make something that's like simple and in the moment and uh I don't know like I find like no, like knowledge can sometimes get in the way if that makes sense you know it does because I would think like I mean that would be a great test case because I can't play the piano or the guitar so maybe I'll make a brilliant pop song then but it's like if you're just sort of plunking around and just trying to find something that sounds interesting and different yeah and it know, feels good yeah it's like your brain if you knew how to play yeah wonderfully yeah then maybe you wouldn't go you would go for the obvious as opposed to the obvious, exactly I yeah guess. and you follow rules and stuff like i think you know not even just in music i can't remember there was a book i was reading that talks about this but i think it's like all the not all but a ton of the greatest innovations just you know throughout time have been have happened when somebody is doing something that's a little bit outside of their you know their best skill set i guess or mm-hmm. like their field that's like they're really knowledgeable about and it's because they they're they're not aware of all the restrictions and the rules that right. like are supposed to be there so then they innovate you know they right. do something a little different so um your songs i i feel like when i've looked through when i've looked through your social media and stuff it feels like a lot of your fans kind of really sort of emotionally resonate with your music mm-hmm. um in like a personal way like yeah. people are getting tattoos of it's your crazy. logo and yeah. and does that kind of is that kind of difficult or hard to sort of comprehend where you have like this sort of mass of people that will run up to you after a show or like see you in public and be like, Oh my God, that song affected me so much. And you don't know how it touched me. And you're like, Whoa, I think like, it's, I, I mean it, the tattoo thing is like really hard. It kind of boggles me. Cause I like, you know, that's such a commitment. It's, it's, it's crazy. Do you have any tattoos of any of your favorite artists on you? No. Okay. Yeah. See, it's like, I have tattoos, but nothing that's like a, you Fake know, fan. That's a you're big, not really big, much yeah, of a fan right? of anyone. You're not a fan of somebody. If you don't get a tattoo of their Literally. face. Um, Actually, you just tattoo you know, like your face on like like someone like Mick Jagger's face on my face. That would be crazy. That's like super fandom. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, you were going somewhere. No, no, it's all good. Um, but like, yeah, like when I get messages, because like, that that happens a lot. I'll get like messages on Instagram or you know Twitter or wherever, like um, from fans talking about you know something you know, but maybe it's a breakup or, or something that they're going through or that they've been through where my music has helped them, and I find it really awesome you know because it's like i've i'm definitely the type of person that like i feel i like to like be able to actually connect on like a personal and human level like i feel weird if things if i if i feel like i can't break that barrier down so i think Mm -hmm. it's really cool when people are like opening up you know because especially to somebody they don't even know right um and they feel like they do know you yeah yeah but yeah no yeah it's it's incredible honestly um so you clearly read your instagram messages yeah yeah like, it's, I mean, that takes a lot of time, though, to sort of, like, poke around on Twitter and Instagram and, like, look at comments and messages and stuff. Yeah, and so- sometimes it's, it's uh, sometimes it can be destructive, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, social media, you're so funny. Yeah. Um, well, your new single, Chasing Fire, is really great. Um, Thank you. It has this sort of, it's like this, it's like, it's like deceptively, like, dancey, but kind of like the way you say not, that deceptively well because it's like yeah. it has like this sort of like it sneaks up on you because yeah. it starts off really kind of like sort of low mm-hmm. and then when it hits the i'm chasing like it's you actually bring the volume up it mm-hmm. seems like and you're like whoa okay hi yeah how's, yeah. how's it going yeah. and then you go back down to like the verse so it has this like sort of deceptive i'm kind of you know mid-tempo but i'm kind of fun too yeah. and 
I can't wait for the dance mixes. I hope there's going to be fun dance mixes. Of yeah. Um, uh, how quickly did that song come together? Was it another, was it another quick one? So like, that's an interesting one. I originally wrote it um, with some friends of mine called Friendship like two years ago. Friendship. We, yeah. we had them on the podcast oh, amazing. Like, in January. Yeah. So I wrote it with them actually before I moved to LA. I was, I was doing a writing trip um, and, and like always felt the song was special, but like didn't quite know what to do with it. And like it was just, it was in like a very rough demo form. And I kind of always like, kept coming back to it, but it, you know, didn't know exactly. And then when I was um, doing the kind of U.S. candidates of the tour that I'm on right now, I met you when I was 18, um, I went in uh, with another friend of mine and we actually like produced the whole record and I cut the vocal in a hotel in Toronto in like a couple of days. Like it all just like happened and finished it and it was like, oh, wow. So it was kind of like two spurts that were quickly, if that makes sense. It was like the song was written uh you know pretty quickly mm-hmm. but a couple years ago and then we came in now a couple years later and like finally like i figured out how to produce it well what what was the thing that suddenly made you think okay this is gonna work now um you were like sitting on it for a while yeah I, it was because i didn't you know like it was sitting for a while in like this this piano form mm-hmm. and i think like once like we were in the room and like I started getting like the the chords that come in the beginning, like the vocal. I just recorded those on my iPhone voice memos, like just the hums that are swelling. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like it just kind of started to happen. I don't know. And then like the claps, it all started to feel like it could be, like I wanted the song to be, to. it's a song of desperation really. So it's like, it's not just sad. It's basically like you're, you're and, and, and we just shot the music video and I'm really excited for that. Um, but it's, there's you know there's a sense of urgency you know i wanted it to feel like kind of desperate and and like driving and running um as opposed to it just being sad that that ooh part just sort of is like the catchiest thing i swear um which is a great thing i mean like it's like some like some of the best pop songs are like just like they have all these different incredible catchy perfect little pop moments Mm -hmm. and that is like such a great pop moment and it sounds so simple but i'm like I can't do that. This is this is why you do what you do. Um, well, you're on tour right now. You're in the middle of your first headlining tour. Um, I think it ends. Well, we're recording this in April, yeah, and it ends in Oslo at the end of April. But then you're doing a bunch of festivals all summer long. Yeah, um, outside lands, Lollapalooza, Firefly, No Pressure. You know, cool small little festivals. Yeah, no right. one's ever been to those. <laughs> um, what's the best part about headlining your own tour? Do you get a better bus, oh, better catering? Man. Okay, that's lasers, it. fog, lights on, on um, stage. Well, I just feel like when you're when you're doing your own tour, um, it, it's really on. It's been like such a journey for me. Like I, I like think back to the first show. It was like you know the show. It's it's a long. It's a pretty long show. You know, I'm used to playing like 30 minutes or something like that. And this is like you know, it's all of the music that I've put out in the you know story order of I met you when I was 18 so it was like at the very beginning I like didn't really know how it was gonna go you know like how that was gonna react in a room this is my first time doing something like that and now having done you know most of the shows about to leave uh for Europe um it's I feel like just like I've I've learned a lot about myself as a performer and yeah, it's it's just been a journey. I think I think that's the best part. It, it allows it to be a journey as opposed to just being like a little set opening for somebody else every night, you know. But you do get better food, don't you? I guess so. I was like, I thought you were like, it's a great journey. I really feel. I'm like, okay, tell me, don't you get better food? Is there <laughs> we, so? So we have a double. We have a incredibly more elaborate. We have a double decker bus in Europe, which I'm excited about. Wow. 
you have to like share it with like everyone on in in the band and like yeah but there's like the, the, the other crew bands is on like, the bill <laughs> um uh, yeah actually so jeremy zucker's coming with us um so he'll be on the bus but he's a homie um we like, have be downstairs <laughs> i get the top bunk um we it's i think there's like 18 bunks and there's like 10 or 12 of us so we'll have like yeah that'd be fun that's amazing um you toured with ed sheeran last year you Mm -hmm. opened for him um for some of his asia dates um the ones that were not canceled because of his injury yeah um you know what was like a did you actually get to hang out with him in any capacity sort Mm -hmm. of outside of the hey ed as he, you know, as he walks past you, or did you actually yeah. like, hang out with him in, in for some amount of time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And get to hang out. Do you now have his phone number in your cell phone? I don't think he even has a phone. Yeah, actually, I think he's you know, like rejected. Oh, that's right. The phone no, thing. he may not. He may. He does email. I think. Yeah, I don't think he does. Yeah, like, yeah, email. Yeah. So you do email him because I, I remember when we were on the tour, he was like, I never saw him on his phone. He, he'd have like an iPad or something. He's doing it the smart way. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine when you're at that level, like. I, even I, th- I think about like not, whatever, getting rid of my phone, you know, because yeah. like sometimes it's just annoying. Not, not, not even just because like people hitting you up, but like it's such a, I don't know, it could be such a waste of time just like sitting there on Twitter, Instagram, refreshing all of that, basking in the glow of social media, literally yeah. the glow of your phone. It's, it's horrible. Um, last thing, because I'm keeping you ooh, a little bit longer than I anticipated. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> really, is it all good? As I look towards the publicist and management in the room, I always say that just in case someone's going to throw something at me. They the all coffee. They're throwing things. Literally, it's liquids. Oh no. Um, I was watching your Jimmy Kimmel performance, and um, he introduced you. Uh, at before your performance, uh, he was holding up what appeared to be like a big album cover, which is sort of the standard late nights. Like, and up next, it's and it's a huge twelve by twelve album cover. Mm-hmm. But he introduced you as saying his playlist mm-hmm. is called "I Met You When I Was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might be the first time I've seen an artist introduced on a show with a playlist, <laughs> um, not an album yeah. or not like their new yeah. single. Yeah. It's like his new playlist. Yeah, um, which is such a fascinating thing now that we're in this sort of era of playlists and yeah. you don't have a full length album. Yeah. I don't believe um, you've put out, I believe EPs in the past. Um, uh, is this, is this where you're going to go? Is there an album, like a sort of an album project that will come out like that so, you can buy or is it just a playlist world for you? So basically um, I like, I'm a big believer in not like forcing anything. And I feel like there's really no rules at this point. Um, relatively speaking. And so the reason I did the playlist and I'm doing the playlist is because the first song I released was in 2015. Um, it was called The Other, and that's on the playlist. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I kept putting song after song after song out, and they were all about the same thing, and they were all a story, but they were like different pieces that were out of order and like confusing. And so I felt like I didn't want it to be an album because it's been such a long period of time, you know, mm-hmm. but I wanted to let people into that journey of like, Hey, this is literally just what it is. This is my life. It's a playlist. It's an ongoing thing where I'm piecing together this chapter of my life. When I was in New York in my first serious relationship, trying to figure myself out, like here it is. And I've been building upon it. Um, you know, just naturally as I have like the way I write a lot of songs is very much just kind of like, like I wrote, I like me better almost four years after what it's really about, you know, like I just process things at whatever time I do. And, um, and, you know, being the sort of, I guess, like people say hopeless romantic that I am, like I I find myself writing all these songs about this period of time, like reminiscing I'm a huge 
nostalgic, reminiscent type person. Good Lord, you're nostalgic, yeah. reminiscent, you know, oh, yeah. reminiscent, romantic. I'm like, <laughs> this is why you can write all these songs about like, you know, emotional things. But yeah, so I just kind of wanted to, you know, create that place for it um, until, you know, all of it, until I feel like the whole story is told and, and, you know, we'll celebrate it, you know, in some type of way. But yeah, I, I didn't want to call it an album per se, but I'm definitely like a big, like, I love bodies of work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And albums this isn't and stuff your like anti-album that. Album no, no, no. I'm not saying like, I'm never going to do an album. Like, that's not the point of it. Because just, next week I'm dropping you know, a surprise yeah. album. Exactly. I mean, it would be cool at the end, at the, at when you feel no, like you've reached the, what, say that again. I was like, no, it's not a surprise. <laughs> You're like, there's not a surprise coming. There's a surprise coming. He told me. I'm kidding. Um, I mean, when you feel like the story has reached its, or at least this part of your story has yep. reached a, a sort of a point where you can like sort of close that chapter and maybe open mm-hmm. up a new chapter, then maybe you can sort of put out something as a piece of physical work that someone could purchase. Yeah. And I also a feel like... A vinyl album, perhaps. Exactly. There you go. Um, I also feel like, you know, for an album, like, f- like I, I imagine it coming from like a more concise period of time writing it, you know, it's yeah. instead of it being like this thing where it's like for your process. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So, um, well, this has been so much fun chatting with you. Thank yeah. You, you as well. In. Thank you. And, uh, much success to you on the road the rest of the summer. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Lau for coming in. It was a, such a, such a nice, uh, enjoyable chat and uh, uh, make sure to check out his playlist right now and uh, maybe we can look forward to an album or some sort of uh, you know song project down the road from him yes I'm sorry I missed him so he'll have to come in when he releases whatever is next yeah well I had love all to myself <laughs> um, and now it's time for the chart stat of the week <laughs> This week, back in 1971, the Rolling Stones hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart with Sticky Fingers. The set jumped from number 10 to number one uh, in just its second week on the chart, by the way, on the list dated May 22nd, 1971. The album marked the first release on the Rolling Stones' own Rolling Stones Records label and their first number one since 1965's Out of Our Heads. The Sticky Fingers album features iconic Stones songs like Brown Sugar, Wild Horses, and Bitch, not to mention its controversial zipper cover art, which was conceived and photographed by Andy Warhol, where there is actual working zipper built into the album cover, and the zipper was part of a pair of uh, jeans that a mysterious model that still no one knows who it is uh, was wearing on the cover. And if you opened up the album, you saw what was lurking beneath those <laughs> jeans. So go get yourself a copy of the album and see what else everyone was unzipping back in the 70s. Um, bonus fun fact, the album was also the first to include the Stones' now iconic tongue logo. You know, the red lips with the tongue. That that album was of the course. first to actually have that logo. Crazy. Uh, so I know. Uh, So there you have it. This week, back in 1971, the Stones topped the Billboard 200 with Sticky Fingers, their second of nine number one albums. All right, we have reached the end of our big shoe. (laughs) Katie, what song should we go out on? Well, I mean, I know we heard a snippet of it already, but maybe we should give the people a little bit more of Backstreet Boys' new song, I think. In fact... In fact, we can just play them the entire song. <laughs> can no, we? I, can, I, do, I think for legal reasons we can't. Is that how fair use works? 
<laughs> I don't think so. But we can play a snippet for you. So, yeah, let's do that. Sounds good. Okay, see you guys next time. Bye. Baby, don't go. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.